Happy Monday, and wherever we find you on this day, welcome to a brand new week. And uh, this may be the day off you've taken uh, in lieu of Remembrance Day, which uh, fell on Saturday this year. Uh, You might also have had uh, Friday off. I shouldn't say also, but for some of you, uh, there are two days off involved. Uh, Here we commemorated on Friday, so uh, we're all back, full week here. And now it gets really interesting. After... The announcement, I say in air quotes last week, now I'm doing the countdown. There's only two weeks left, only 10 shows. That's remarkable. Uh, I am loath to use the R word, so I'm stepping aside after 25 plus years of doing this radio show. And before that, don't forget, before law and law school and politics, there was an earlier radio career. I bumped into a guy the other night who said, uh, I used to listen to you all the time in the late 70s when I was in university. So uh, people tend, of course, with the passage of time, and if you are under 100 years old, you wouldn't know that. Um, that was my very first life was radio, starting back in the 70s. Then started a radio show in 78 on uh, 1250 CKOM. Gosh, that was a great run. Then I moved across the street to CFQC, which was the big station that had the TV station hooked up to it, the old uh, CTV Bassett and Eaton days, and then did the show there for a couple of years before politics. So when I came back to radio in 98, I had been away from radio for about 14, 15 years. So amazing how time flies. And the old saying, time flies when you're having fun. I have had the time of my life doing this. But for those, in fact, some reporter the other day, Gormley's abrupt announcement, his sudden announcement, I thought, oh my goodness, um, this is where we should pull the curtain back. This has been underway, this whole plan, for about 14 months. So I know I, I can't tell you everything, but uh, the recruitment that went on, looking at successors, how we were going to put all this together, Evan Bray is going to be a fabulous talk show host. So he starts two weeks from today. So my last show will be Friday the 24th. Then the Evan Bray show debuts Monday the 27th. So, you know, it's change. Who of us likes and accepts change? It's just we're not wired that way as humans. We are accustomed to something, and I am honored beyond words. You've been so accustomed to this show over the years. But there has to be change. We always evolve and move on. So for me, lots of stuff ahead. I'll be practicing some labor and employment law, still involved in the community. This will still be the home base. But I just won't be a hem up at five every morning. (laughs) That'll be the first one to go. Like the day I'm done, the five o'clock stuff is finished. Like, I'm I'm a guy who prefers actually working late at night. You know, I'm that guy who works night, does all-nighters, that kind of thing. So the idea that you get your work going early in the morning has been a job requirement for 25 years, but not one I've liked. <laughs> it's the only single thing about this incredible career in life that I will look forward to replacing quickly. But... Other than that, it won't be me on the show, but there'll be lots of life to live. So, And by the way, thank you to the 
literally hundreds of you who reached out uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I think I got back to all of you. <laughs> um, you're very kind people, and I'm honored. I'm blessed. So we're not going to do anything really super special, like the countdown, because I said it when I, I told you this Wednesday, I'm not big on long goodbyes. So do the show, and this is where I was laughing at this reporter, Gormley's sudden abrupt announcement, whatever, however she worded it, I laughed. I mean, it was years, over a year in the planning, but then I said, I'd like to make the announcement with you know, a fairly short window so we can celebrate as friends, and then I'll be riding off. And by the way, the riding off this year is interesting. Our listener trip that we've done 17 years running is actually on early December this year. So I'll finish the show late November, have a week, and then we're off to Germany and Austria for the tour of the Christmas markets. So that's going to be fantastic, traveling around the world with a bunch of you. Oh, it's good. So that's kind of the immediate plan. So this is the hour of the big stories. It needs no introduction from you. We started with Tom Korski, and Korski makes a very interesting point. He said that inside the Senate and the House of Commons, there are a number of MPs who have typically been very sympathetic to the Palestinian cause, and they like to try to nuance, you know, Hamas, uh, is a terrorist group, but they don't represent everybody in the Palestinian territories, and on and on and on. He said, Middle Canada was so revolted and repulsed by the terrorist attacks by Hamas on the 7th of October that a switch got flicked on. Canadians said out loud, enough. Israel has a right to exist. Israel has a right to defend itself. Israel has the right to destroy Hamas. And, and again, the consequences and the connection, we knew over a month ago it would be terrible. And it is. And humanitarian pauses make sense. Whether or not Hamas prefers to or chooses to follow them, that's up to Hamas. But humanitarian pauses, where you say for X number of hours on this day, Israel will not launch any missiles, no air attacks, no ground attacks, nothing. So you can get food in, you can get fuel in. But the idea of a ceasefire and lay down your arms, when you are in an existential war with people who want to destroy you, do you know what a ceasefire is? It's a second chance for them to destroy you. And again, I know the humanitarian side of you, and particularly if you're a kid who's followed social justice in school, after all, this is white colonial, because a lot of those Jews are white, you know. Um, oh, God. Um, you know, it's colonialism. It's, it's this and that. No. Israel must get the job done. And Hamas must be destroyed. And for a lot of us, it's painful. But Korsky's point was, a lot of the MPs who would normally be out in front saying, you know, let's have a full-on ceasefire, let's do this and this, they've heard, as have a number of the senators, from average Canadians. And yes, there will be protests. Yes, there will be people chanting from the river to the sea, which is uh, a, it's a common chant. And of course, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. So that's the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, which happens to have Israel in that space. 
along with the West Bank and along with Gaza. But if Palestine will be free from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, what does that mean for Israel? And the shorthand code is, as uh, one of the people put it, it's a Rorschach test for your view on the issue. If you chat from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. The Rorschach test is, it doesn't matter if Israel gets pushed into the sea. For those of us who are friends of Israel, not so fast. So it's, but the chanting goes on. And uh, interestingly, in Calgary, a protester has been charged with inciting hate speech. And this is one of the people at a recent uh, rally in Calgary. And the person they've charged is, uh, the name is Cooley. Um, what's the, uh, the person's first name? Okay, I'll pull it out for you. Uh, this is an activist who was uh, part of some demonstrations recently. And this person, uh, Wessam Cooley, um, was charged with causing a public disturbance because he wouldn't back down and wouldn't stop when the police asked him to in a recent, uh, this was November the 5th, and then they appended a hate motivation on the offense. So they've tacked on uh, the use of, quote, some language and signage at the, the City Hall protests. But this Calgarian, Wessam Cooley, has been charged with mischief, but motivated by hate. In Ottawa, they've charged a man named Mohammed Asadi, and and by the way, they've also charged him with violating bail conditions because he was earlier charged with a number of offenses, uh, assault, break and enter. Uh, they've yet to be tested in court. He was released on bail, then he was showing up, and the Crown Prosecutor's a name you will know well in Ottawa, Moise Karimji, this was the guy who personally oversaw Tamara Leach being held in custody. So Moise Karimji is calling for Asadi to be held in custody, and he says it's important for the public and victims of anti-Semitism to have confidence in the administration of justice and the rule of law. So uh, Karimji is opposing bail, and the Ottawa guy, I'm sorry, it was near Toronto, he was arrested in one of the Toronto suburbs, breaking bail conditions and inciting hatred and expressing anti-Semitism. So two charges around the country, but it's got Canadians very much, very much engaged, and it's tragic. 877-332-8255. So that's the story we begin with today. Nick Marshall, serious felony charge, possession, and this is a an overall charge, possession of a sawed-off shotgun, sawed-off rifle, dangerous weapon, or silencer. That's the Georgia provision. What he's alleged to have done is to be in possession of a handgun that was modified. He was arrested last week. Uh, with a woman, Laniqua Brichet Borders, she's 32, he's 31, each were charged with the gun possession felony. Marshall has been since 2018 a standout defensive cornerback with the Riders. Uh, what does our Green Zone guys tell us? Uh, 77 career games, all in Saskatchewan, 150 tackles, 20 interceptions. And he began life as a quarterback 
led Auburn to the Rose Bowl in 2013, lost to Florida State, but he was a brilliant young quarterback with Auburn. And before that, he played with Georgia, but got dropped because of, quote, an unspecified violation of team rules. So he's dropped from the Bulldogs, then plays junior college, then resurfaces with Auburn, then takes him to the Rose Bowl as a quarterback, but never gets drafted. So he's with the Jags and the Jets for a time, suspended by the Jets for performance-enhancing positive drug test. Then he comes up to Canada, plays on the defensive side of the ball, and has been a really remarkable, good standout rider cornerback. The team says, quote, We were made aware Sunday night through media reports Nick Marshall was arrested on a gun possession charge in Georgia. The club is disappointed. Taking this matter seriously, we are currently gathering more information and will provide an update soon after. So whether Nick Marshall will be cut loose, whether they will await the wheels of justice turning, I mean, it's just the end of the season, so who knows what will happen by next year. Those are a couple of stories to begin. Anything on your mind today, it's 877-332-8255. And the hour of the big stories means... If it's a big story for you, anything on your mind today, it's a big story for us. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Hour of the big stories where absolutely anything and everything goes. As we head into the second month, and it is a war, Israel actually declared war on Hamas after the October the 7th terrorist massacre in 22 different locations across Israel by Hamas terrorists. A berry in Meadow Lake, what do you think as you're watching this geopolitically? The the first thing I need to do, John, is, number one, thank you so much for all of your years of service. Well, thank and you, sir. I've, I've loved your program. Uh, my grandmother, and you spoke to her often, Betty from Hafford, <laughs> got me on that program, and I've listened to you ever since. Oh, my my big rant, I guess, is, uh, I, and I hate to say it, Congratulations, Putin, for your back-end funding of everything in the Middle East to take the eyes off of what's going on in Ukraine. It's horrible what's going on in the Middle East. Don't get me wrong, but it's horrible what has and is continuing to go on in Ukraine. And in two weeks, I have seen nothing in the media on Ukraine. It's been literally Gaza and Hamas and just frustrating from this point. It's a good point. I mean, Iran's fingerprints are all over this, and that's dirty oil Islamist money of the worst Islamist extremity. Uh, there is clearly uh, a Russian, if not funding, I, mean, I don't think Putin's got any money left, but Putin certainly is supportive of both Hezbollah and Hamas in what they do. Absolutely. Um, and, and you're right, it deflects, if nothing else, the world's attention. Those of us who still follow uh, what Russia's doing in Ukraine, I mean, we still get updates every day, but you're, you're right. The, the news cycle, Barry, tends to be very much what's the big thing in front of us today. And it, it's just frustrating as, as being a Ukrainian 
person myself, and my family came from Ukraine, and I still have family in Ukraine, it's it's frustrating. Yeah, no, I, uh, you put it well. Slava Ukraine, and uh, I understand what you're going through. But, no, it is an unstable world right now. But again, uh, let me hasten to add, the, the last time it felt like this, I think, I mean, we've had all sorts of different times, and I was telling a younger friend the other day, and, okay, let me play a grandpa moment here. I remember when I was your age. Well, I remember when the steel belt was turning into the rust belt in the northeastern U.S. Uh, Billy Joel's song, Allentown, isn't a made-up song. It was a story about Allentown, Pennsylvania, and all these steel towns that turned into the rust belt. Interest rates were high. There was a huge recession on. It was an ugly, deep recession, late 70s, early 80s. You had hostages being held in Iran. You remember the American embassy hostages held for 444 days. The Ayatollah Khomeini, the revolution had occurred earlier uh, in Iran. Even in Nicaragua, the revolution, the Sandinistas were going on. It was the uh, Russians and or the Soviet Union and the Americans, all of these proxy wars. And I remember being 20, 21 years old and thinking, how are we going to make the next mortgage payment? Is World War III coming? And is there going to be a thermonuclear meltdown? We got through it. We always do. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. the hour of the big stories where absolutely anything and everything goes. Okay, coming up, school teachers who say they are not going to follow the law. It was a pretty simple solution to any of us as employees who decide to tell the boss we're not going to do what workplace operational policies are. You'll know what the answer is. It's as simple as you think. A Tim Scott my second favorite Republican candidate ends his candidacy shocking last night. He was on, um, what's the, the Fox show? Sunday Night in America. And he's being interviewed by Trey Gowdy, who's another South Carolinan. And uh, Gowdy and he are talking, and he tells Trey Gowdy that uh, he's going to withdraw on his run for the presidency. So much so, a number of his political staffers saw it on TV. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Tim Scott's not really saying why, other than he praised the voters, and this is, what, about uh, two months now before voting starts in Iowa in the leadoff caucuses, and he did say, voters, the most remarkable people on the planet, have been clear, and they told me, not now, Tim. And Tim Scott, uh, African-American senator from South Carolina, who wanted from the beginning to run the most positive campaign, and he really did. Gosh, he is an inspiring man. And uh, even the Associated Press, I think, got it right this time. Usually I don't trust the AP on politics to ever say anything about Republicans that would be remotely correct. Um, Meg Kennard with the AP says, 
In particular, Scott had trouble gaining traction in the polls, despite millions spent on his behalf by high-profile donors. In his efforts to run a positive campaign, he was often overshadowed by other candidates, particularly on the debate stage, where he seemed to disappear as others sparred. So, I think that's a fair, when you just watch the debates, Tim Scott, for a guy who's got a pretty big personality and is so inspirational, on the debates, he just wasn't there. He's my second favorite. Who's my favorite candidate? Also a South Carolinian. Nikki Haley, who was the governor. She actually appointed Tim Scott to the Senate. There was a vacancy, and the governor can fill vacancies, and he was actually in the House. She appointed him to the Senate in 2012. Uh, Nikki Haley on Twitter, quote, He is a man of good faith and inspiration to many. The GOP primary was made better by his participation in it. Yeah, I've kind of figured I'm on team Nikki Haley. I really think she's great. And I think she's got everything it takes to stop the guy who is so far ahead in the Republican primaries. It makes you shudder. Yeah. All right. Anything, everything. Let's get back to the calls. Lots of texts as well. 877-332-8255. Housing and a number of government initiatives, because, of course, what do we know about the price of housing in Canada? Not here so much. Housing is still attainable here in big cities like Toronto and Vancouver, where you've got average house prices, 1.1, 1.2 million, respectively. So what are we doing? Doing enough on housing? Randall and Regina, how do you see this issue, sir? Well, you know, it's... It's astonishing to me that, you know, the there is a complete lack of discussion about the cost of construction. I mean, we observe many, many home builders just not starting new homes. We see, you know, all kinds of taxpayers' money being thrown into, like, this deal that just happened with Quebec, you know, to try and spur the construction of homes. But what's completely absent is that, Government authorities at the federal and municipal level have been dramatically increasing building code standards that dramatically increase costs. Within the last 10 years, I would personally observe costs have risen for construction 25 30%. And, you know, what's really interesting about this is that when you look at the bypass, the bypass happened on the condition that they go back to building standards 25, 30 years ago, to make it economic. And here's government changing its own rules, but imposing other rules on people, leading directly to the cost of housing has become dramatically higher and and fewer and fewer people can afford to build homes. So so now you're talking about the, so the provincial code, does it trump all things housing or do local governments have building codes as well? Local governments that are large can do their own, but anything outside of Regina, Saskatoon, they just fall back to the to the provincial and national codes, which means they have to play by those rules. Now, help me out here, because I haven't. I mean, I built a house years ago. I just want to share one more point. Did you know that next year, that you will actually, when you're building a new home, you'll have to get a carbon. Um, certificate, oh, which God. will lead, in many cases, people starting to think about having wooden foundations of all the crazy things. 
Okay, I wanted to ask you about that. So in terms of the price drivers, and I would imagine a lot of it is air exchange, heat exchange, that sort of thing. Are, like what's newer in the code, Randall, that we wouldn't assume is there and pushes prices higher? All you have to do is compare standards today to the way they were 20 years ago. But a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, uh, insulation and uh, different materials that are used. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a driver that is artificially put in place. I mean, let consumers make their own decisions what are factors they're going to be putting into their homes. 877-332-8255. Do you see it Randall's way? Absolutely anything in the hour of the big stories. Uh, Courtney, one of our listeners who is actually intending on running in Ward 4 in Saskatoon. I didn't realize it was the same Courtney. Get a text this morning. Will Evan Bray continue your Saskatoon City Council rants or not? I'm not sure. Courtney. So I texted back. Thank you, Courtney. I don't know if Evan is as passionate as I am on the 11-person clown show and circus in Saskatoon all being replaced. But I do know Evan will agree with me that an 80% voter turnout is always better than a 27% voter turnout. So, uh, Courtney, take that, run with it, and I think you're going to see the whole story. And, of course, there was a snowstorm, 2020, which prevented some people from voting. You remember they extended the voting hour. It just was a gong show. But the Saskatoon City Council, even four years earlier, was elected, and remember that, by a very small, less than 50% group of voters. And when you have voter turnouts that are low, this is what you get. Oh, by the way, I heard that Cindy Block is actually looking at running for mayor. Uh, one of Saskatoon's most prominent and perennially, at times, annoying liberals who does fundraising and uh, political lobbying is telling friends that uh, Cindy Block, Cynthia Block, the uh, former anchor woman who's been in uh, Ward 6 in recent years, may be running for mayor. I don't know. We'll put it past Councillor Block. But um, <laughs> uh, we'll see. Because I'm not sure anyone on this council, and there are several of them who have their eyes on the mayor's seat, uh, lots of gossip only that Charlie Clark isn't running again. And I can't imagine Charlie now not being involved in politics, so he will likely, one thinks, uh, seek a nomination for the NDP in Saskatoon. Uh, the next provincial election, like the next civic election, is just a year from now. In fact, it'll be late October for the province. It'll be November 13th for the city. So that's just speculation only. And I'm doing what I shouldn't be doing, but just passing along the scuttlebutt and the chatter that I hear. So one of our gang says, I am struck by the irony of school teachers who ask our kids to be ethical and accountable, being fully unwilling to publicly put their names behind this petition they're signing. Ari in Saskatoon. Uh, here's the petition. As of late last week, only 98 people had signed the petition. Hell, unless you're at two or 3,000 in Saskatchewan. What were they, when they were trying to get me fired last time, what were they? They're up to about 2,500 on that one. Yeah, so, you know, 
that didn't work either. So I don't know, but a petition to have impact, and I'm joking, you should be in the thousands. So school teachers are doing a petition, and as of Thursday, they had 98 signatories. And surprisingly, you have the option to sign anonymously. This just in, Sherlock. When you sign anonymously, you are not signing but far be it for me to try to educate teachers on civic participation. So the names are entered online, but some aren't listed publicly. Some are anonymous. And this is a teacher at a Regina public school is organizing the petition. And 70 of the signatories are teachers, most of them working in Saskatoon or Regina. And they fear losing their jobs and they don't want to be named. Well, they are going to lose their jobs if they do what they say they're going to do. What they're doing is not doing a petition to petition the province to reconsider the parental rights policy. They're not saying, uh, we think you should do X instead of Y. What they're doing is calling on school divisions not to follow the law. Well, school divisions don't have that choice. They either follow the law or they're not in compliance. And the Ministry of Education says, no more funding for you. I mean, the province can actually go in and dismantle a school board, but that's pretty draconian. So some of these school teachers say, we're going to continue as professionals to let students have the autonomy over their identity. We're not going to follow the law. Fine. You could express an opinion. You can petition. But once you've decided... Uh, on a binding school board policy that is not only in policy, but now enshrined in law, that parents must be notified and must consent if minor-aged children under 16 want to change their gender, their pronoun, their name. So you as a teacher can thwart this and say you're not following it. And then you'll be told, don't do that. You'll be given notice. And then when you do it, there will be progressive discipline. You will be disciplined. Then you will get a last chance notice. If you do this again, your employment will be terminated. And your employment will be terminated, and you can go teach somewhere else. You can go to some other province that is way more enlightened than ours. And don't let the door hit you on the butt on the way out. In fact, it's even better, I think, for you, Because as Ari says, if you're teaching kids how to be principled and honest and ethical and you won't sign your name, maybe what you could do ethically without signing your name is quit. A point of principle, you refuse to take a dollar from a province or a school board that doesn't see things your way. That would save us a lot of time. It would save us your union grieving it, arbitrations, and you're going to lose anyway because the employer has the right to promulgate certain policies. And with notice, you know what the rules are. So school teachers, and I'm talking about a subset of 100 out of well over 10,000 school teachers, this is a tiny, vocal, radical left-wing group. Good that we know who we are now, so just quit. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.
Calls, lots of stories on the go today. It's the hour of the big stories where everything goes. Terry in Buffalo Pound, uh, your take on this uh, group of a hundred or so school teachers who want the school boards to ignore the provincial law on parental rights. Hey, John. Well, this should fall right in your wheelhouse with like your legal standing. That if a teacher knowingly and willingly breaks the law. Like, say, student Joe wants to be Jolene, and the teachers don't do anything, like, don't inform the parents, but the parents find out. Doesn't that open both the teacher and the school board up to a lawsuit? You know, that's difficult, because if you're acting in the scope of your employment... Right. I mean, the, the school boards, uh, in many respects, insulate teachers from from some liability. But the problem with this law is this is the Education Act. So it's the province enforces it against school boards and against teachers. So this is like it is a policy, but it's got the added strength of being an amendment to the Education Act. You know, Terry, it's simpler than that. As a teacher, you've got a choice. You know, if you don't believe we should have 12 grades, uh, you don't believe we should have certain classes to complete your graduation so you won't teach the classes, guess what happens to you? See ya. Bingo. And I think these teachers, you know, so principled and moral is their position. Why don't you just step down in protest? Um, your friends will think you're really doing well. Uh, Ed in Martinsville, what do you think? Hey, Ed. Uh, sorry, John. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm still uh, uh, shocked by your news, but I'll, <laughs> I'll wish you I'll wish you a good uh, retirement to, in in the future radio show before you're, you're well, done. Thanks. Yeah, the I got to ask about this because uh, is it now? They only just seen, recently just announced this. It seems to be coincidental. I'm not a conspiracy Kevin type of thing, but what if it's related to uh, because Scott Moe government has decided to partially ignore the federal carbon tax law on natural gas on January the 1st, uh, or is because there's a job, possible teacher job action because of the current contract dispute. Is, is this why they're they're doing this now? Because they, they, they'll they just say, well, Scott Moe said they'll ignore the law, but, so we can ignore this policy too. Is yeah, well, that's that what some of them are saying. I'm getting a couple of texts from people who say, well, if Scott Moe's going to ignore the uh, Carbon Pollution Pricing Act, teachers should ignore the Education Act. Mm, no, bad idea. 877-332-8255. Oh, by the way, one of our listeners is really torqued. We didn't report that Canada has won the Billie Jean King Cup. I've never heard of it. It's women's tennis. 1963, it began as the Federation Cup. Canada's best showing ever was in 1988 when we made it to the semifinals. Canada, yesterday, beat Switzerland, Australia, Czechia, France, Germany, Italy, Kazakhstan, Slovenia, Spain, and the U.S. and Poland to win the Women's World Tennis Championship. Go Canada! And for the listener who's quite twisted, you heard it on this radio station. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.